take a moment to consider all the factors that impact your health. What comes to mind? Your diet, perhaps your lifestyle, like whether you exercise, drink, or smoke. Maybe you thought about your family history of diseases like cancer or diabetes. But health and well-being go beyond that. The field of public health is about thinking broader, thinking beyond the individual, about how our built environment affects us, how laws and policies impact us, and how the social forces influence our behavior and well-being. Each week, this podcast will discuss one topic from the wonderful world of public health to reveal these ubiquitous hidden forces and artifacts. One episode at a time, we will show how public health is all around us. Welcome to Everything is Public Health. Everything is Public Health. Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. So I have a lot of weird goals in life that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, (laughs) I'm not surprised. You'll see where this is going. (laughs) I'm not surprised by that. Both that you have a list of goals, but also that you would call them weird. Like, that's not surprising at all. Yeah, like my goals are not career-based or like fulfillment-based at all. They're mostly made out of spite or just made out of weird (laughs) values that I have. But anyway. Do you have a list of nemesises? Nemesi? I don't have nemesis because... Do you have a list of people you like, don't like? Uh, I have a list of people I like, but I don't have a list of people I don't like because I don't know that many people everyone there's a list of people i like and then everyone else (laughs) everyone else correct i think that's that's a very accurate description (laughs) anyway back to your weird goals weird life goals one of my weird goals in life is to never own a car which is a very tough goal in america but so far i have managed it helps when you have a partner who has a car i have never owned a car in my life and my goal is to never own a car until the day i die and This is just my personal vendetta against cars. Uh, I don't particularly like them. But you don't you don't mind riding in them. You don't want to own one, but you have no problem using them. Correct. It's 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 very hypocritical of me. I I realize that. But the concept of cars like in isolation, like it's a vehicle that takes you places that that I'm fine with. I just have a vendetta against them because they cause a lot of pollutions. They're very loud and they American cities are designed in a way that if you don't have a car, you literally can't do anything. And I just hate that. Like, I love public transportations. I love trains. But American cities generally don't have those things. I think I mentioned in maybe the first episode that we did that I didn't have a car for four years. In grad school, yes. Yeah, two years living in Philadelphia and two years living in Baltimore. It definitely made things a little bit harder. Yeah. You know, getting around, getting groceries and stuff. But it was also nice not having to worry about parking a car. My roommate had a car who, which was broken into and everything was just thrown out on the street, on the sidewalk, everywhere. So it's nice to not have that stress. Exactly. Like uh, if you get into an accident, you have to worry about that. So, I mean, my mentality has always been not owning a car saves me a lot of stress anyway. So I brought this up because today we're going to talk about cars and we're going to talk about the things that cars are on, which are roads. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I realized I didn't have a transition, so I'm like struggling was, to like. Why did I bring I'm that sorry. up? Sorry, <laughs> I tried so hard. I even like really hid my face behind the microphone so that like to try to keep myself from. Laughing. I could tell you're smiling. Cars, <laughs> cars are on roads. <laughs> Thanks, MJ. That was a, that was a life altering piece of information. So we can't talk about public health without talking about racism, 
because racism is a public health crisis. It's a public health problem. And much like all topics that we talk about on this show, there's no way we can cover all of racism in one episode. It's too big. It's too broad. So we're going to take our normal approach is that we're going to talk about a small part of it today in this episode, and hopefully we'll do more in the future. So we're going to talk about one tiny fraction of racism and a fraction that I think flies under the radar often. And within that fraction, we're going to talk about a small piece of that fraction and how that impacts our health. So we're going to do a fraction of a fraction. It's a really, because... <laughs> really, really small slice of a pie. Yeah, but it's such a big pie, though. That's not bite off more than we can chew. So we're going to talk about environmental racism today. And if I say the words environmental racism, what comes to your mind? I think about where we put landfills, where we put industrial plants, how we design our physical spaces where we put our roadways, how we place access to public transportation, like basically things that we are doing to our communities, to our spaces that can negatively impact people's health and well-being and the fact that it's not done equally across racial groups. Yeah. And that's the that's the racism part, right? Because on one hand, where we put our waste is one issue. That's a big issue. But the part where the environmental racism comes in is that those burdens are almost never placed in an equitable way. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. It falls, so environmental racism falls under the umbrella of environmental justice, which in a broad stroke, like you said, is defined as racially discriminatory policies regarding how we build our environment and how we manipulate the natural environment. And there's a reason why you don't see landfills near predominantly white areas. There's a reason why you don't see factories near Beverly Hills. And this didn't just happen, you know, quote unquote, by accident, right? Someone purposely place those things away from those neighborhoods for very, very obvious reasons. And to go along with that, people put racist covenants into housing developments and wouldn't provide mortgages or only provide really high-risk mortgages and really concentrated minority groups into the least favorable physical spaces in um different cities and neighborhoods. Yeah, that's like a housing issue. Like everything in public health, everything is connected. It's a spider web. Everything's connected. Everything is connected. Everything is public health, right? So environmental racism, that's going to be the topic of the day. We could talk about how we zone industrial areas. We could talk about where we put our waste. We could talk about you know how our pollution is released. But I wanted to talk about something that is more close to us because those things are relatively far removed from us. And so let's talk about something that we all know, which are highways. Cass, have you lived near a highway before? No, I've never lived near a highway. I've always had to drive at least some short distance, at least a half a mile, if not longer, to get to a highway on ramp. Have you lived in a place that's like right next to like a boulevard, like right next to like a heavily traveled road? When I lived in Baltimore City, I lived on Broadway. Oh, wow. So that was definitely a lot of traffic. And I lived just a half a block, block or so up from the Gentleman's Club. And so, you know, weekends, you'd have a lot of folks hooting and hollering, and then cars were just going by constantly. A lot, lot of traffic, yeah. for sure. Loud. Very loud. Generally not pleasant. Now, highways are a more a much more extreme version of that. Highways sucks and maybe this is me being super opinionated maybe this is another one of my hot takes but mj's hot takes hot takes but highways are awful they look ugly they are very loud i don't think people understand how loud cars moving at 70 80 miles per hour are but if you ever had a chance to like stand next to a highway without sound barriers they are 
so loud, like incredibly so, more than you think. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever had a flat tire on the side of the road and had to pull over, change a tire or, or anything like that, those cars flying by, like that's, it's loud. It's They're loud, they're ugly. There's no such thing as a pretty highway. Like I dare you to find me a picture of a pretty highway. That Those just doesn't exist. Um, they take up a lot of space. Well, there are pretty some pretty bridges that are part of highways. Um, but I wouldn't say that the actual manifestation of highways are pretty. They're pretty bridges. They're pretty interchanges, I guess. But highways are generally well, that's not fair. pretty. Fair point. They take up a lot of space because oftentimes they're multi lanes. So they're what sometimes as wide as you know half a football field. Sometimes depending on how, how wide the highway is. But they take up a lot of space. And this is a callback to our heat episode. They are very hot. Because they are asphalt and concrete. And very few times do they have trees. And if they do, it's just like a tiny strip in the middle. So they're very hot. They're not cooling at all. Yeah. And usually there aren't trees in the median, at least on the more up-to-date highways, because that's a crash risk. Yeah. So very little green space, lots of asphalt and concretes. And obviously, wherever you have cars, wherever you have a lot of cars, you have air pollution. Because one of the things that cars release is pollution, both in terms of greenhouse gases. Sometimes they release impurities just from how the engine works. And there are some data that suggests that proximity to a highway is correlated with poor health. But to be fair, it's most likely due to other variables. It's not it's a correlation, not a causation. But you know, if you're living near a highway, you probably have other variables you're dealing with. But it has been recorded that proximity to a highway is correlated with poor health. And that doesn't surprise me. You're probably thinking, okay, highways, we know them, they're not great, but what does this have to do with environmental racism? Well, back in the 50s and 60s, when highways were being built and it was all the rage to build these large highways, they knew that highways aren't exactly the most desirable infrastructure for all the reasons listed above. They know that they can't just place it anywhere, right? So where do they put it? Well, they put it in areas that they deemed essentially less important because those areas are Uh, shall we say, easier to bulldoze, both physically and legally and metaphorically. And let's just say they don't care if they had to destroy some things in a way to place that highway down because it was all the rage. There was a lot of federal fundings to build highways because there was a lot of congestion issues. Shipping, transportations of goods and products across state lines became a lot easier with the interstate highway system. So yeah, definitely a lot of highways being built. Yeah, so they would just look at a neighborhood that they deem less important. And what would you know? It turns out that the neighborhoods that they deem less important are typically African-American, black, minority, immigrant neighborhoods. Those are those are the neighborhoods that they deem less important. And they will just literally say, we're going to build a highway through this area. Please go away. That's essentially what they said. They maybe didn't say please, but they might have said go away. Yeah, like a lot of really like vibrant Uh, black communities or immigrant communities essentially got destroyed. Well, not overnight. They couldn't build this overnight, but they essentially got destroyed over this course of this highway construction projects. And sometimes because they know highway can be a very effective barriers, kind of like a river, they will purposely build highways along red lines, segregating lines. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah. So just for people who don't know, redlining was when mortgage companies drew lines on maps of cities and other areas and said, okay, these are the desirable areas. These are the undesirable areas. And those undesirable areas were often marked out with a red line. And those were sort of high risk areas where you you wouldn't give a mortgage to 
you know, African-American resident, for example. And so those lines sort of became some markers for where highways would be developed. Yeah. So a highway developer can look at that and say, well, let's put this gigantic barrier between the two neighborhoods, between the red line neighborhoods and the white affluent neighborhoods. Let's just cut through it so that, quote unquote, the blight won't spread. Those are the terms that they use. So what does this have to do with health? What does this have to do with public health? Well, we mentioned a few things already, like it displaces people and displacing people is, you know, frankly, a very traumatic experience. Imagine maybe this is a house you've lived in for you know multiple generations. Maybe this is a place that you grew up knowing and all of a sudden all of that is gone and you need to move to another place. You can imagine why that would be traumatic in many ways. Absolutely. You may be cut off from your social supports. It may be harder for you to get to your job if your job was close by to where you're working or at least access to transportation to your job may have been close by to where you were living. You may no longer be connected to your faith-based organization, your church or your temple, because you're now moving to someplace where you know, you're having to reestablish roots. Yeah. And a lot of times when they cut through these neighborhoods, they would displace not just people's houses, but they would displace uh, areas where communities would gather. So like you said, churches, sometimes they would pave over parks. Sometimes they would cut through businesses or whatever areas, right? These, these are not just residential places that, that are getting bulldozed, but places of community are also getting destroyed with these highways. And you brought up traffic or you brought up transportation. So you can imagine how a highway is not really conducive to pedestrian traffic. Play Frogger running across the highway from one side to the other. Yeah. You can imagine how a highway can just really separate a community in two. Previously, let's say you only have to walk two blocks to get your groceries. Now there's a huge highway in your way. How are you going to get groceries, right? So uh, a lot of these highways have created areas of food deserts. They have created food deserts with these like gigantic highways because it cuts off people's movements. A common phrase would be somebody came from the wrong side of the tracks, right? Sort of thinking about the railroad track line. And if you're over that line, then you're sort of the wrong side of town. But the same thing could have been done with highways where they made it much harder for people to move around the city and just even a couple of blocks where before they used to be able to walk and now you've got an eight lane highway in the way. Yeah, exactly. And we mentioned this already, but highway is our sources of pollution and there are rarely areas with trees on them. So it's just it's just bad for you. Okay. Like if you have a highway <laughs> next to where you live, the air is bad, the smog is bad, the soot is bad. And there's no trees. There's likely there's likely few trees to suck up that extra carbon dioxide emission to try to provide shade to cool down the area. It's a compounding. There's multiple things coming together. It's not just the fact that it's a highway. Yeah. Multiple things coming together. And we know for a fact that air pollution leads to reduce health, both in terms of lung cancer or just, you know, cancers in general. Another thing is that it lowers property value. Like we mentioned, no one likes living next to a highway. So what happens when you lower property value of a neighborhood? A whole cascade of things could happen. Decreasing property value, may, maybe that's a house that your parents have owned and it was supposed to be something that uh, you could inherit, but now that house is worth less. So you're losing generational wealth that way. Lower property value means less investment in general in that area. So you're not going to have investments coming in both in terms of community resources. When you lower the property value of an area, 
everyone in that area suffers. And obviously that has economic and health consequences going down the line. Right. And so property values dictate the amount of tax that people pay. And the amount of tax that people pay determines how many services and new roads and firefighters and streetlights and all these things that schools. And so if you're depressing property values, you could be depressing the taxes that are available to support all sorts of goods and sort of social goods and services. So yeah, so this is an example of environmental racism that really hits close to a lot of us because we all know what a highway looks like and we've all seen a highway and we've all seen how imposing and perhaps how scary highways are in if we see them in our communities. And all these things didn't just happen by accident. These are racist and discriminatory policies that purposely place those infrastructures there on purpose, whether it's because of ease, because there's they know there's going to be less political resistance from the people living there, or because of malice, right? They know they want to get rid of this area, so they purposely build a highway through it. But these are all cases where racist policies effectively impacted negatively the health of the community that was there. Absolutely. We often think about systematic disinvestment in these communities that can lead to concentrated disadvantage and disenfranchisement that can reduce the collective efficacy that communities have to be able to push back against these things. And even when they do push back, their voices are often given less consideration or less weight than sort of more socially elevated white voices. Yeah. So solutions to this, we always come back to this, but one of the solution is voting. You should vote and not just vote yourself, but you should advocate for others to vote. You should advocate for more voting, more people to vote. Everyone should vote. Voting access. Vote, 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 vote. Right. So that's <laughs> that's a message we keep coming back to. But voting is important. Voting is very important. I'm very excited. We have a, a local primary coming up in about three weeks. I'm very excited to vote. Yes. And get your stickers. I love those stickers. Me too. Another thing is support environmental justice work. So hopefully now this opens your eyes to just how important environmental policies are because you may not live near a landfill, but I assure you someone does. The spirit of public health is the health of everyone. So keep this in mind the next time you read something like this, talking about environmental justice in the paper. Absolutely. And even though you might not be experiencing a particular issue, it's almost guaranteed that someone not too far removed from your social circle either knows someone or has experienced this issue. And so it's fundamental to public health and in reducing health disparities that we aren't improving the health of one community by sacrificing the health of another. Yeah. And a little bit of current event. So Biden recently had his infrastructure plan. I don't know if it's passed, but it's in the process of passing. And the plan includes this section of $20 billion for a program that would, quote, Reconnect neighborhoods cut off by historic investments, according to the White House. And it looks to target 40% of benefits of climate and clean infrastructure investment to disadvantaged communities. So a little bit of good news, a little bit of reparations, because they recognize that highway building and these infrastructure buildings, they have a very uh, racist and discriminatory history. So a little bit of good news to end the day.
Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more and more people can hear about the wonderful, omnipresent essence of public health. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Keep an ear out on Mondays for our Public Health Plus bonus episodes. Follow us on Twitter at EverythingIsPH or Instagram at EverythingIsPublicHealth. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Also reach out if you think we missed an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Krifasi. And if you really want to see some of my delicious gluten-free baking creations, you can also follow me on Instagram at CassPhD. Please also give us a rating and a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help us immensely. Don't forget to like, share, and comment as well. If you want to support the show, we have a Patreon page, and you can find the link for that in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.